I'm going to be reading from Ephesians. The passage of Scripture we're focusing in on is chapter 5, verses 1 through 2. But I'm going to be starting back into chapter 4 to set the context for the verses we'll be looking at this morning. I'm going to be starting in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. You can find this on page 1,158 in the Bibles provided in the chairs. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Let us pray. Father, this truly is our desire. Our desire is to live a life for your glory. To live a life seeking after and living out your truth. To live a life in your love. Father, we pray that you would guide us now, that you'd give us wisdom and discernment to the power of your Holy Spirit. Help us to know your truth, to know your word, that we may be set free. In Christ's wonderful name, amen. As we've been going through Ephesians chapter 4, we've seen the transition, the focus of what it means to be in Jesus Christ, of what it means to have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you, of what it means to be a child of God Almighty. Because God the Father, as Ephesians 1 begins with, because God the Father has elected, He has chosen people to be his children from every tribe and nation and language, every people from all the peoples of the earth, God has elected and called certain people 
to know him and believe in him and come to salvation. We understand this truth of the gospel. We understand this truth that in Jesus Christ, there is hope and there is love and there is peace. We understand that because God had this plan to save a people, that means that we have to be made holy. That's what it means. For us to live with God forever, we have to be holy as He is holy. There's a lot of things spoken about God in the Bible. We see where it's spoken that God is love, that God is wisdom, that God is all-powerful, that God is all-knowing, all the different attributes and truths of who God is. But there's one that is raised up and emphasized. God is holy, holy, holy. He is completely other. He is beyond. He is unstained, untarnished, uncompromised. Everything about God is perfect and true and pure, lovely, wonderful, beautiful. So that's the, that's the issue that we are faced with in Scripture. For us to be with God forever, we have to be holy. And yet the Scriptures make clear that every one of us, we are conceived in sin. We are born into sin. We are all of Adam's race. We are all fallen from the beginning. So how can we be with God? That's the problem. That's the dilemma. That's the big question in the Scriptures. How can we live with a holy God? So as the Apostle Paul has been walking through different aspects of what it is to be like God and what it is to be new in Jesus Christ, here in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, just these two scriptures take us to the heart of all the Bible. This is it. This is the heart of the gospel. This is the heart of what it means to be in Jesus Christ. This is the center, foundation, and focus of who Christ is and what he came to do and who he is as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We see in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, it begins, Therefore, be imitators of God. Now, Ephesians 4 is a continual therefore and therefore and therefore. They keep going back to the central truth. As we see in verse 5, be imitators of God. Therefore, and you come back and you see verses in 4, chapter 4, verses 29 through 32. 
it speaks about having new mouths that speak love and truth rather than hatred and falsehood. It talks about getting rid of bitterness and anger. And you look at verses 25 through 28, and there that section begins with a therefore. Therefore, each of you must put off, again, falsehood, speaking truth rather than false things, and dealing with anger. And then you go up to verses 20 through 24 of chapter 4, and it says, You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Well, what way is that? The way is of verses 17 through 19, where the Apostle Paul gives a contrast between those who are living in darkness, unrepentantly, living in unholiness, versus those who have been made alive and set free and made holy in Jesus Christ. So you have to go up to verses 14 of chapter 4. You go there, it says, Then we are no longer to be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in Love. There it is again, speaking. What it is to speak truth, to speak love, rather than to speak falsehoods and speak hatred toward God and other people. You see, this continual theme is woven throughout chapter 4, setting up the foundation for these verses in chapter 5, verses 1 through 2. Verse 15 Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. So that's the truth. All those therefores, starting in the therefore of Ephesians 5 verse 1, the therefore of Ephesians 4 25, and all that section on what it is to have new mouths and new hearts and new minds in Jesus Christ takes you all the way back to that reality. Verse 15 of chapter 4. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Him who is the head that is Christ. From Him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. But how is it that you get to be a part of Christ's body with Him as the head? And that's where you have to go up, up to Ephesians 4, verse 3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, 
one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. So we see this one God, one way of salvation in the one Lord Jesus Christ through the one Holy Spirit who gives life and faith because as Paul established in Ephesians chapter 2, Verse 8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. So that's the C, C focus that we are saved by faith alone, by God's grace alone, in Jesus Christ alone, because he alone, remember the big dilemma God is holy, 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 and we are, con- we are conceived and born as sinners under condemnation, under wrath. That's what he says in Ephesians 2, the first verses. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time. All of us. What a powerful statement. All of us. Paul says it doesn't matter whether you grew up in the church or you grew up outside of the church, it doesn't matter where you grew up. It doesn't matter what culture, what people, what exposure to what. It doesn't matter how wicked or how on the surface polished you may have been at one time. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. That's why I appreciated about the the form, the liturgy of baptism in our Psalter hymnal. Because it begins with our misery. That we are all born into sin. And that we must come to faith to be saved. We must. We must believe, Romans 10, you must confess with your mouth and believe in your heart to be saved. And this is a gift and work of God. So as you consider what the book of Ephesians has done to this point, it begins, Ephesians 1, verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms of every spiritual blessing in Christ. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world, to be, what's the word? 
Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. If you have that, if you have it, especially in the Bibles in the pew, just so we're on the same page. I'm on page 1,156. I invite you to read that verse with me. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. That's it. That's the answer. Remember the big problem? God is holy, holy, holy. And we're sinners. We're under condemnation. We're under wrath. We deserve eternal conscious torment because of our sins and rebellion and disobedience to God. So we are absolutely, completely dependent on God doing something in His Son, Jesus Christ, and doing something in us through His Holy Spirit so that we can be holy and dwell with a holy God. So you can see Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, this is the... It's just Paul summarizing everything he's walked through in the first five, first four chapters of Ephesians. So as we see Ephesians 1, verse 4, we see that the answer to the problem of how we unholy people can become holy so we can dwell with God forever first begins with God in eternity past and God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit making a choice, making a decision, a plan from eternity past that certain people will be saved and certain people will be given life because the Son will die taking our sins on Himself, taking the wrath that we deserve so that we get his holiness, His righteousness, His truth. That's the answer to the problem. It's Jesus Christ's holiness. It's His perfection. Because just as God the Father is holy, 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 God the Son is holy, holy, Holy God, the Holy Spirit is holy, holy, holy. So if we can become alive in Jesus Christ and he alive in us and the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, we are made holy and blameless in the sight of God. Ephesians 1 verse 4. In the sight of God. And that's very helpful. That's, that's the reality of who you are in Jesus Christ if you believe in Him and are saved. You may not be considered holy in the sight of those who know you well. You may not be considered holy in the sight of your family members or friends. But in God's sight, this is verse 4, you are holy and blameless. 
because you are in Jesus Christ. So if that foundation, with that understanding of what Paul is doing through Ephesians 1 and 2 and 3 and 4, we look at Ephesians 5 verses 1 through 2. So that's where when you see that therefore, what's the therefore, therefore? The therefore is this. Therefore, if you have been elected from eternity past and chosen by God the Father, if Jesus Christ has died on the cross for you and your sins and bore God's wrath for you, if the Holy Spirit has made you alive and given you the gift of faith, if then, therefore, be imitators of God. Live holy as He is holy. Speak truth as Jesus Christ taught truth. Live love as Jesus Christ displayed love. Be holy as God is holy. So we see this emphasis of imitating God. This is the key theme throughout the scriptures. It begins back in Leviticus 14. I mean, Leviticus 11. Where God says, for I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. Verse 45, for I am the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be pretty good. No. You should therefore just do your best. No. You should therefore just try. No, the verse says this. You shall therefore be holy. For I am holy. But again, how can I do that? It's Ephesians 1 verse 5. That God the Father has chosen us in His Son Christ to be holy and blameless in His sight. We are to imitate God as beloved children. This is a beautiful thing. As beloved children. That's very important. Remember Ephesians 2, as Paul is building, before we come to life and salvation in Jesus Christ, we are not beloved children of God. Paul makes this clear in Ephesians 2. Before we come to salvation. Before we profess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and that He is true, what did Ephesians 2 say we were? We were children of wrath under condemnation. That's our state until we are made alive through the power of the Holy Spirit and given the gift of faith and trusting and believing in Jesus Christ. So this is powerful. We can imitate God because we are in Jesus Christ beloved children. We are precious and wonderful in His sight. Why? Because we are in 
His Son with whom He is well pleased, Jesus Christ. Not only are we imputed Jesus Christ's righteousness, we are imputed God's, the Father's pleasure toward Him, His goodness, His holiness, His love. All these things are credited to our bankrupt accounts by God's grace and His faithfulness. This theme that we are beloved children is the main theme of 1 John. 1 John. If you look at 1 John, 1 John 3, starting at verse 1, John the Apostle writes this, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as he is pure. There it is again. That we would be pure as God is pure. And 1 John 4, the very next chapter. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. This is 1 John 4, verse 7. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent, so here's Ephesians 1, verse 4, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. There it is. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. That's it. He becomes the sacrifice. He becomes the propitiation. He is the one who takes our sins away, whose blood cleanses us so that we can finally be holy as God is holy. Galatians 2.20 makes clear of our state in Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This understanding of the sacrifice, and this is verse 2, and walk in love as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us. That's his crucifixion on the cross. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Romans 5, 6 makes clear. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. There it is. Christ dies for the ungodly so that we can become holy. Verse 7, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. 
But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's it. Verse 9 of Romans 5. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. And that's why Hebrews 10 makes clear it isn't the blood of the bulls, the blood of the Old Testament sacrifices that ultimately please God or make us holy. There's only the shedding of one person's blood, one sacrifice, Jesus Christ on the cross, that can make us holy so that we can imitate God all by God's grace and live with Him and for Him and by Him forever. So that's why Paul, Paul who makes clear in Ephesians 2 that we are not saved by works. We are saved by grace alone, by a free gift of God. Even the very faith we have that saves us is a gift by God through the power of the Holy Spirit. The same Paul that emphasizes that makes clear that once we have been made alive, we are called to lives of holiness. Not to earn something with God, but to glorify and show God our gratitude and thanksgiving for what He has done in His power and His strength. There is no greater sacrifice to God than Jesus Christ on the cross. It's an amazing scene. You have the, the flood. Remember the flood where God saves Noah and his wife and, and the three sons and the daughter-in-laws and they're on the ark and they, they make it through after all the days and nights of rain and that and they're the only people left because God himself closed the door to the ark. Everyone else is destroyed. And the ark comes to rest. And then Noah builds an altar there and offers a sacrifice. A sacrifice. That's why there were some animals that there were more than two on the ark. little Bible trivia for you. Otherwise, that would have been the end of those animals. So there were some that there were seven. It was all for this moment. So Noah offers this sacrifice and up wafts that smell. And it says where God was pleased by the aroma of that sacrifice. And he would not destroy the earth again by a flood. And then God puts his rainbow in the sky to make that clear. All these things are pointing to the sacrifice. It's one of the most amazing things that God, who loved his son so perfectly, Jesus Christ, loved us so much that it would please him to crush the son. That the son would be sacrificed. That he would be slaughtered on the cross because that was the only way we could be made holy and live with him. 
So it is the sweetest, most wonderful thing we could ever hope and imagine. And that's my prayer and hope for everyone here. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you don't trust and believe that He died on the cross for your sins, that you have been made alive in Him and trust in Him, then I pray you will come to know and believe and trust in Jesus as your everything. Because He truly is everything. That is good. That is true. And that is love. Let us pray. Father, we thank You. We thank You for Your grace. We thank You for Your love. We thank You for Your goodness. Father, we pray that You will just guide us. Guide us in Your truth and Your love. Help us to live as imitators of You. Father, we pray that You would grow us in the likeness of Your Son, Jesus Christ by your grace and for your glory. In Christ's wonderful name, amen.